0: Browns, talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
2: By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com.
1: And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at QuestNatureTours.com
3: and o Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. VideoBooks.com.
1: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to our show number nine hundred twenty-two. Starting off with some good news today concerning a spectacular and endangered bird. The wood stork, which was on the brink of extinction back in the mid-'80s, has recovered sufficiently in Florida and other southern states that just this past Tuesday, on Valentine's Day no less, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service proposed removing the bird from the endangered species list. That's because they say that restoration of the bird's habitat, especially in the Florida Everglades and adjacent Big Cypress National Preserve, has led to a big increase in breeding pairs, from just 5,000 pairs in 1984 to more than 10,000 pairs today. Officials say the Woodstork has also increased its range in coastal areas of Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and the Carolinas, tripling the number of colonies across their range from 29 to 99 Lots of folks helped make this possible, and the Center for Biological Diversity says the biggest credit goes to the Endangered Species Act, which marks its 50th anniversary this year. So some good news there about the Wood Stork, and thanks to the great Jeff Collins for first alerting us to this story. We've had a lot of stories from British Columbia, Canada lately, and we're going to hear more from there today, this time from Chrissy Martin through her avian audio postcard.
3: Hello, this is Chrissy Martin. I am currently at the Rifle Bird Sanctuary, which is in the lower mainland of British Columbia, Canada, otherwise known as the Wet Coast. You can probably hear the raindrops. It is raining quite heavily right now. And, yeah, rainy day birding, some of my favorite kind of birding because... As of right now, I don't see anyone else on the trails, and this is a very popular location. So all the birds are just singing beautifully. We have red-winged blackbirds, various kinds of sparrows, house sparrows, golden crowned, and of course we've got our ducks, we've got mallards, northern shovelers, probably can't hear those ones, and American wigeons. Yeah wonderful to be out here even in the rain listening to the birds happy birding
1: thank you so much Chrissy Chrissy Martin birding in the rain there up on the wet coast in British Columbia Canada here's a preview of our mystery bird contest right now the contest a little bit later on in the show we do a preview to uh, try to avoid having all of our calls come in after the show has ended so Getting you ready for that. We'll give the signal a little bit later on. Our mystery bird is a small winter visitor to much of the U.S. and southern Canada. From way up north, it has lots of white in its plumage, including a white underside and big white wing patches, otherwise brownish on the back and face, with a black tail and white outer feathers, dark wingtips, dark brown eyes, and a short, stout bill. In the winter, when our bird ranges across Most of the northern half of the U.S., it feeds on weed and grass seeds, pecking along the ground or jumping up to take seeds from taller stems. Prizes on our mystery bird contest include from our wonderful new prize provider, Brome Wild Bird Care, a Brome Mega 600 metal tube feeder with six seed ports, four-pound seed capacity, and the patented seed tube ventilation system that permits humidity and hot air to escape through vents at the top of the feeder, replacing it with fresh air so the food remains fresher, attracting more wild birds. And from our old friends at Birds and Beans, a 12-ounce bag of bird-friendly, shade-grown, delicious Birds and Beans coffee. All on our mystery bird contest this morning, and we'll maybe have a bonus prize, too, if we have time for our bonus question. Here's a conservation salute this morning it goes to our friends across the pond in the UK where the government has just enacted a far-reaching ban on single-use plastics. The ban will include single-use plastic plates, trays, bowls, cutlery, balloon sticks and certain types of polystyrene, often referred to as styrofoam, cups, and food containers. To allow businesses time to prepare, the ban will be delayed in enacting until October of this year, 2023. According to estimates, by the way, England uses 2.7 billion items of single-use cutlery, mostly plastic, and 721 million single-use plates every year of which only 10% are recycled. The plastic takes hundreds of years to break down and inflict serious damage to our oceans and rivers and land, also a major source of greenhouse gas emissions from the production and manufacture of the plastic to the way it's disposed. By the way, UK Environment Secretary Therese Coffey says that of those responding to their survey about the ban, more than 95% say they are in favor of it. Here's a salute now to some folks right here in the USA. And we have a new ambassador who prefers to be called by his first name only and his state only, and that is Larry from Arkansas. Thank you so much, Larry, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Thank you to Chris Holson from South St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks for the kind words, Chris Chris was a big winner on our show last week, as a matter of fact, with those Vortex binoculars as a mystery bird contest winner. Thanks to Joy Rochester, too, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Randy Johnson in Fort Worth, Texas, Caroline Crooker in Hummerock, Massachusetts, and Tom Nakek in Skokie, Illinois, for requesting second or even third sets of Talking Birds cards to hand out. And here's another Talking Birds ambassador explaining why she became one.
3: My name is Katie, and I'm calling from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I decided to become a Talkin' Birds ambassador because it's a way for me to talk to somebody when I'm birding. It just is a good way to start conversation and meet people. It's a lot of fun. Also, it allows you to stay informed about birds and other great conservation
2: topics. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassador's family. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Join today, and thanks.
1: Tilt to come today, we'll welcome an autistic birder who'll tell us about the challenges and the rewards of being a birder with autism. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for a Let's Ask Mike segment almost live from the archive. And up next, a bird sometimes known as the bugler is today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Seems as though we've been hearing a lot about trumpeter swans of late, including through an unusual sighting here in our home state of Massachusetts this month. Our Freya McGregor just sent us photos of trumpeters she observed this week at Magnus Lake in Arkansas. And our friend Trevor Fletcher up in British Columbia, Canada, sent us a good news story about a trumpeter swan population that was saved by a local family. So with all that, we figured it was time to make the trumpeter swan a featured feathered friend. The trumpeter swan is a large, all-white bird with a long neck, a black bill with an area of black skin in front of the eye, and black legs. It's North America's biggest native waterfowl. With its neck stretched forward, it reaches six feet in length and weighs about 25 pounds. That's almost twice that of the tundra swan. Thanks to that weight, the trumpeter swan requires a runway of about 100 yards to get airborne. They've been described as sounding like galloping horses as they build up speed for the takeoff. Trumpeter swans have an unusual way of incubating their eggs by covering them with their webbed feet. Their breeding range covers parts of Alaska and western Canada and south to Oregon. Nevada, Nebraska, and around the Great Lakes, and they winter in scattered locations around the U.S., especially in the northwestern states. Trumpeters feed mostly on vegetation, along with some small fish and fish eggs. They often tip up like dabbling ducks as they pull vegetation from the bottom of shallow ponds. And by the way, our bird lends its name to our Talking Birds occasional newsletter, the Trumpeter. We'll be producing a new issue sometime soon. The trumpeter swan, Cygnus Buccinator. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Welcome again to our show, number 922. We always like to invite you to visit our website, talkingbirds.com, and our social media pages there, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at TalkinBirds. Carrie Sesportis is a formerly casual birder, now a serious one. And she's here with us this morning to tell us about her experiences as an autistic birder. Good morning, Carrie.
2: Good morning, Ray.
1: It's great to have you uh, with us on the show. Carrie, tell us about your autism and the challenges and maybe the rewards it uh, provides for your birding.
2: Sure, thank you for having me here. Um, as, as an autistic person, I, I tend to struggle with um, verbal communication and social interaction. Um, I process information that's presented verbally pretty slowly. Uh, so I tend to have difficulty keeping up with spoken conversation in real time. So I rely on closed captions and written information to help me understand what's going on and provide context. And likewise, I have difficulty expressing myself verbally. Um, but I do have an excellent memory for facts. I have a photographic memory. Um, and so that's that's really an asset when I'm out birding. Um, when I'm birding, I can really kind of laser focus in on um, my surroundings and the habitat. Um, and so I can um, I, i'm I'm fairly good with field ID um, because of my photographic memory and my visual style of thinking so I can recall and field guides what I've seen and kind of review it in my head when mm-hmm. I'm out in the field. Um, and birding for me is also really about grounding and mindfulness and, and self-care. So it really brings a lot of calm and focus um, to things that are otherwise challenging for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you're here in Massachusetts and you're currently enrolled, I, I believe, still in Mass Audubon's Birders Certificate Program, which covers many aspects of birding. I wonder if you'd tell us about your experience in that program and about the project uh, you're doing as part of it.
2: Sure. Um, yeah the the birder certificate program um, at Mass Audubon is really great. Um, I enjoyed being part of a cohort and the learning environment is um, very warm. It's it's um, supportive. It's collegial. Um, I think my favorite topic so far has been about evolution and speciation and just thinking about factors that have influenced really the, the wide um, range of diversity we see today in birds. Um, I learned a really fun fact recently in the program that there's a word called loafing, which is actually <laughs> a technical term to describe <laughs> the behavior of gulls that, that sit in open areas and parking lots with good visibility. Um, and as part of the birder certificate program, uh, we have to do an independent study Um, And I'd like to focus mine on expanding accessible and inclusive opportunities for Mm -hmm. birders with Mm -hmm. disabilities.
1: You've also engaged uh, recently in a mass Audubon birding event called the Super Bowl of Birding, in which teams compete to find the greatest number of species and earn points based on the rarity of the birds uh, recorded. And your team was in the sitting duck category, and uh, you won. Tell us about that.
2: We did, yeah. Um, I wanted to design an accessible birding team really from the ground up. um, And traditionally, uh, big sits, um, which is the style that we used, um, are stationary um, birding teams um, that can be accessible to birders with disabilities, um, particularly wheelchair users and folks who may need to be seated or have access needs related to mobility Um, My aim with this team was to be as intentionally inclusive as as, as for birders with a broad range of disabilities. So including birders who are blind or have low vision, um, who are deaf or hard of hearing, who have sensory sensitivities or who are neurodivergent or autistic like me, or who have PTSD or mental health challenges or other neurological or cognitive disabilities. So Um, In in designing this team, it was really important to think about a lot of factors um, and um, making modifications um, to adjust the contest rules um, to to fit a -hmm. a team of birders with disabilities, um, to make sure that the site we chose um, to bird from, which is the Joppa Flats Education Center, uh, it's one of Mass Audubon's facilities that it's accessible um, for folks with disabilities, accessible restrooms and parking and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and making sure that we had available equipment, we were able to borrow scopes from Mass Audubon and just um, play on the team such that um, any family members or, or caregivers could be there also to support teammates. And so um, we actually won um, the sitting duck category um, for stationary birders. Um, and so we are really... You know, the first team in the history of Mass Audubon's Super Bowl of Birding um, that was intentionally designed to be inclusive of birders with disability. And we've really proven that um, being really thoughtful about um, accessibility, that we could, um, birders with disabilities, could really thrive in nature and enjoy competitive events.
1: Mm -hmm. By the way, a shout out to our friend Jerry Barrier, who I believe was part of your team as well. Yep. And uh, Carrie, I'm going to skip ahead to our last question here because we're getting really short on time, but I wonder if you could uh, just say, what tips could you offer to other birders in welcoming autistic birders to their outings?
2: I, I think one of the really most important things is to consult um, with autistic people um, and help and, and let us help you design, um, you know, programs that are, are more inclusive and um, in designed for accessibility Um Autistic people um, really want to be leaders, um, but one of the models that works really well for us is mentorship. Um, and you know, we do need accommodations, so things like having written information ahead of time, um, and supplemental um, written information to prepare for trips, to prepare for events. Um, the sensory environment can be pretty challenging for us, so. Um, thinking about um, noise and um, different weather conditions, which can't be controlled necessarily, but if we have information up front on what to expect, um, we can determine what we need to bring to make ourselves feel more comfortable, whether it's noise-canceling headphones or, um, you know, warm layers of clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I would say is um, when interacting with autistic people, it's really helpful to ask questions that are more closed-ended, that have Um, You know, for example, if you're asking someone if if they want to stop for a rest, it's better to say, like, do you need to rest now? Would you like to rest later? So it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, too vague of a question. Mm
1: -hmm. Carrie says, "Sport is here with us on on Talk of Birds. By the way, Carrie's work uh, on inclusive and accessible birding, you can follow it on Instagram at autistic underscore birder. That's at autistic underscore birder. Carrie, thanks for being on with us, and uh, thanks for all those good things you're doing.
2: Sure. Thank you, Rick.
1: Up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP Warranty. An unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-Vortex or visit VortexOptics.com. There it is, our mystery bird, a small winter visitor to much of the U.S. and southern Canada from way up north. It uh, has lots of white in its plumage, including a white underside and big white wing patches. It's otherwise brownish on the back and face with a black tail and white outer feathers, dark wingtips, dark brown eyes, and a short, stout bill. In the winter, our bird ranges across most of the northern half of the U.S., feeding on weed and grass seeds, pecking along the ground, or jumping up to take seeds from taller stems. That would be our mystery bird, and fabulous prizes await, including from Brome Wild Bird Care, that Brome Mega 600 Metal Tube Feeder. It has all kinds of features, including the patented seed tube ventilation system that allows humidity and hot air to escape through vents at the top, keeping the cool, uh, food cool and fresh. And from our friends at Birds and Beans, our favorite coffee, a 12-ounce bag of bird-friendly, shade-grown delicious, Birds and beans, coffee. And a feather-friendly bird window collision kit awaits if we get to our mystery bird bonus question. Here's the important thing. It's the number. It's 781-837-4900. As always, we urge you to call as soon as possible. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, let's ask Mike, almost live from the archive, in just one minute o Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, new, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Birdiobooks.com. B U T E O. Birdiobooks.com.
2: Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us in search of colorful bird life and jaguars in Brazil or on our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit QuestNatureTours.com today. Birds and much more. Guaranteed.
1: It's down to the Birdwatchers General Store. That would be in Orleans, uh, down past the elbow of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Mike O'Connor there from the Birdwatchers General Store. Good morning, Mike.
0: Yeah, well, not the elbow. Elbow is Chatham. So we're on the inside of the elbow, or the elbow pit, as yeah. they call it. Well,
1: I said past the elbow. Isn't that yeah, sort yeah. of? That, no, not quite right.
0: Look. I was just trying to get the elbow pit uh, line in there. That <laughs> Nice. You don't hear that much on the radio anymore, so I forget yeah. to mention
1: that. Nice job. For those not familiar with Cape Cod, check out a map, and you'll see. You'll see what he's talking about, the elbow <laughs> and the the inner elbow
0: there. Uh, and inner elbow sounds better than elbow pit, I guess, you're
1: right. It kind of does, yeah. Well, how about these comments? I'm just writing down some notes from our earlier conversation off the air, and I see eating sand, road salt. This is not referring to any of your customers or anything. This is um, about a, the Pine Grosbeak.
0: Pine grosbeak, yeah. right? One of your listeners. Speaking of one of your listeners, uh, sent me some photos, and she's got. She lives up in Quebec, Andre, and she's got a crazy amount of birds at her she feeders, and, and she's. And, and it's been pretty good, but then she sent me some photos of birds. She didn't understand they weren't at her feeder; they were in her neighbor's driveway hmm. eating sand, and they were huh. uh, pine grosbeaks. Pine grosbeaks is a bird that most. Americans, uh, when I say Americans, USA Americans, I'm familiar with because they spend most of their life in Canada. There's a few places in some of the higher mountains of the western part of the United States that you can find them breeding, but most of them breed in Canada and they really come much farther south of the border, so we don't get to see them so much. But this is a pine grosbeak, a little bit uh, like a giant, uh, almost like a giant purple finch or a giant house finch. They're big, and they come readily to feeders, but they also eat, uh, you can see them on the side of the road. I've seen them on the side of the road occasionally eating sand Mm -hmm. and often salt, too. Those and uh, crossbills have noted to... Be particularly attracted to salt for some reason that isn't totally understood. It's some mm-hmm. kind of dietary need. Birds have the ability to process salt at some point, and so that you see them on the side of the road. So these birds, in in her area, were not necessarily excited about her feeders, but they did like the sand in her neighbor's driveway interesting when these birds they go on the side of the road they're not particularly uh, afraid of cars uh and in newfoundland uh these uh, pine Grove speaks a super tame well they're super tame everywhere but in newfoundland they call them mopes because they're just slow moving and they, you'll land in a bush next to you and they're not particularly afraid they just poke along and so when they get into a road They're often hit by cars. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, we had a huge outbreak uh, here on Cape of crossbills, which is a similar bird. And people were, sadly, bringing in, like, bags of them. They were always getting hit by cars because they're not necessarily used to cars. Mm -hmm. And I think when they ingest so much of the road salt, even though, I don't know if it's... (laughs) You know, fatal to them, but it does kind of make them a little groggy, and they're mm-hmm. not really, uh, you know, they, they kind of get lethargic and yeah. not what, really fast.
1: What about the sand? Is that thought to be a gizzard
0: thing? or? <laughs> yeah, not, I yeah. think so, right. A lot of these birds are seed eaters, mm-hmm. and so to help digest the food, they, they'll eat sand, and when it gets here, you know, or most places... We don't it would not totally cover with sand all the time, but up in Canada they are so when mm-hmm. they for I mean, for good long periods, so when the sanders go by, the birds say, ah, I had some sand for my gizzard, yeah. yeah. and and mm-hmm. they, they ingest it. but what's mm-hmm. interesting if if you want to see a pine growth beak and you should. Punch up uh, the Ontario feeder cam that uh, friends at Cornell put out. Oh, yeah. And it's beautiful. And you can watch the gross beaks there all the time. They're at this feeder and mm-hmm. they're, they're going all the time. You might want to see that all before right. I the, get played off.
1: The Ontario feeder cam, courtesy of the Cornell Lab. And thanks to Andre up there in Quebec to, for sending uh, all those uh, pictures and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's, she's, always, she's always sending me cool stuff. So she's got a good, lot of good stuff going on there.
1: See you next week, Mike.
0: Sounds great. All right. Thank all you. right.
1: Bye. Back to the mystery bird contest, uh, actually, right after this. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds' conservation and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at com slash newsletter. Not a heck of a lot of time left, but we'll get to our mystery bird contest here, trying to identify that bird that we're listening to right now. And our friend and superstar, Talking Birds Ambassador, Caroline from Hummerock, Mass. is on the line there. Good morning, Caroline.
0: Hi. Nice Good. to hear you.
1: Well, it's nice to I'm hear I'm
0: thinking it's the bay-breasted warbler.
1: The bay bre- what confidence you have there, and I wish it were more properly placed in this case, because... Uh, According to our sources, that is not the answer we were looking for. But thank you so yeah. much, Caroline. Don't Pay be- for effort? <laughs> oh, absolutely, for sure. We'll send you a star.
0: <laughs> Terrific. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you, Caroline. Guessing the bay-breasted warbler. We have another uh, a close-by caller here. Uh, Barbara is in Marshfield, Massachusetts. Hello, Barbara. Hi. Hi. I think it's a snow bunting. A snow bunting is your confident guess there, and in this case, yes. That is absolutely right. The snow bunting returning to its high Arctic breeding grounds not too far from now in early April, but we're still seeing uh, seeing them around here. What's pretty amazing about uh, this when they head back up north, it can be as low as 22 below zero Fahrenheit up there. Snow still covering the ground, but... Uh, The male snow buntings go up there even that early. The females kind of um, hang out down here, which seems pretty wise for another uh, four, four to six weeks. The snow bunting. Nice job, Caroline. If you'll stay on the line, we'll get all your info there. Did I say Caroline? I think I did. I meant to say Barbara. Sorry about that, Barbara. It's
0: okay.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you, Barbara. Correctly identifying the snow bunting puts us out of time here. A reminder about our Talking Birds flock. It's our Facebook uh, group for Talking Birds listeners and more than 500 folks in there now. We invite you to join up. Just go to Facebook.com and then put in um, Talking Birds flock in the search bar. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team. Debbie Bleacher, Frey McGregor, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Bird show. I like that. Ray Brown's
0: Talking Birds.
1: <laughs> Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com
2: By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at VortexOptics.com.
1: And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at QuestNatureTours.com.
3: And beauty books an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. beauty